to have that self-validation that I'm enough was something I really needed to work through to get to that next level in leadership, I feel, and in business is knowing that I only really had to answer to myself because it was for me. My vision was for me. My goals were for me. And it was to impact others and impact in the community. And if I was doing that, I was satisfied with that. Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome to Elite Achievement, your go-to podcast for service-based business owners who want to achieve their goals and grow their businesses. Hear inspiring stories from other business owners, learn goal achievement strategies, and overcome the challenges you face when growing your business. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach, here to help you achieve your goals. Together, let's close the gap between the goals you set and the goals you achieve. Hey, Goal Achievers. Have you ever wondered, what does it take to be a trailblazer in an industry? Or for the ladies listening, how can you excel in business as a woman with unique female experiences? In the financial services industry, there is often an image of success that involves a man wearing a blue suit and a white shirt. Today's guest found her way to success by embracing her femininity and as a result is a trailblazer in her industry. I'm excited to introduce you to my client and Northwestern Mutual's newest managing partner, Avril Habits. Avril is the first woman to become a managing partner in New Orleans and is one of five women in the managing partner role throughout the Fortune 100 company. In addition to leading her organization, which includes offices throughout Louisiana and Mississippi, Avril is a mom to four children. Join us as Avril shares her story from managing partner's executive assistant to managing partner, what it's like to be an ambitious woman in business, and her vision. Welcome, Avril. Hey, Kristen, how are you? I am doing awesome. I'm so excited for this conversation. I know when we booked this, I thought this is going to be such an impactful discussion for so many leaders and women and business owners. So I can't wait to dive into our topic today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I really hope that I can provide a lot of value to everyone and just really where they can go in their careers and what they can do. Well, why don't we start with the story of how you got to where you are today? I'm Avril Habits, as you all know now. And when I started off at Northwestern Mutual 15 and a half years ago, I actually got introduced to the company by one of its subsidiaries, Strategic Employee Benefit Services. And they actually introduced me to be the newly appointed managing partner's assistant of all things. And so Hurricane Katrina it blew me home to Lafayette, Louisiana, where I'm originally from, and I had to find my way back to New Orleans. And so this role was an opportunity for me to have a stepping stone, I thought, back to New Orleans where I needed to be with my fiance at the time. Fast forward, the person who referred me told me there wasn't a lot of room for growth and there wasn't a lot of money opportunity for me to come in and take this role. But I took the role and fast forward 15 years later, I've held a lot of roles in development and recruiting and really fully focusing on helping grow our organization. And through that experience, I am incoming as the new managing partner for Louisiana and Mississippi. Isn't that an incredible full circle story? You started your career as a managing partner assistant, and now you are literally in your very first week in the role of managing partner. How fantastic. 
Right. It's so exciting to really have it come full circle and also very humbling that I get to lead the organization that I helped build over the past 15 years. For those who are listening who might not know what a a managing partner does, what does the role of managing partner entail? As a managing partner, especially in the Northwestern Mutual System, you have territory, for lack of better words. And so Louisiana and Mississippi, I'm really going to focus on those two states to help grow and develop that territory, meaning that I want to leave a bigger footprint on our communities than I took in. How I do that is I'm going to be a strategic business partner with our financial advisors and their teams to provide infrastructure, strategy, and action steps to help them serve our clients better. Fantastic. And when did you know you wanted to be a managing partner? Early on, I knew I wanted to be a managing partner. I just didn't know how to get there. And so I actually stated that I wanted to be a managing partner in 2016. I knew I wanted to make a bigger impact. I thought I'd be the best in the role I was in then. I was a chief development officer and I was just, my goal was to be the best chief development officer because I didn't think I could be a managing partner. But in 2016, those times had changed and, you know, I got the confidence in 2016 to say I wanted to be a managing partner. Tell us more about what inspired you to go after your vision. I was actually with a group of women that I was partnered with and we all came together and we were actually called the Women's Leadership Program with Northwestern Mutual. Northwestern Mutual really set its focus and its sights on developing women and growing women in the field force. And I was tapped on the shoulder as a high potential for managing partner. I actually told them when they called me, I said, hey, you're calling the wrong person. I can't be a managing partner. And Todd Schoen on the other end of the line said, what do you mean? And I said, I've always been told I couldn't be that because I didn't personally produce in the advisor role. Now, I had the same set of tools, right? Just using it in a different toolbox and recruiting and developing and obtaining new clients. And so I did have the resources and the talent and the experience to do it. And that's what they showed me when I was in this group. So I really appreciate Northwestern Mutual opening that confidence and that box for me. And so to help me really come out and say, hey, I want to be a managing partner. And that was really empowering to me. I've experienced this myself and I've read studies that have have shared how it's really important for women to see other people doing it or even to be told like, hey, I can do it. And it sounds like that was true for you because for so long you were told or you thought, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. But it was that conversation that, oh, you can. And then being around another group of ambitious women that really did help and support you. So would you say to other leaders that it's really important to give women exposure to other ambitious women? I mean, not only within your own industry, but also when you start Googling or just researching out there, we just had a Women's Empowerment Day here in New Orleans with a lot of executive women. And getting that exposure and getting the opportunity to ask them questions and hear the stories of what they've been through and how they've already broken through doors that were potentially shut gives you that confidence to know that I can do it too. Or somebody already opened up the door, so now I can walk through it right? And so I think that is huge that we not only get exposure to other women within our own industries, but exposure to other powerful women throughout the community. What do you think are some of the most challenging parts of honoring your ambition as a woman in business? I think the most challenging parts are the unconscious bias that we're walking into the room with, with all the people in there. So women, right, naturally, people look at us as women as we should, we should automatically be empathetic, 
We should be maternal. We should take care of the room. We should take the notes, right? And so there's always this unconscious bias that's a little bit challenging to know as I'm stepping into a room as myself that it's okay, right? I'm not intimidating, right? They might be intimidated, but it's not because it's me and I need to show up how I truly want to in those roles and in those uh, situations and meetings. And so I think that's a challenging part is overcoming those unconscious biases at first, as well as, you know, just making sure that you're standing on your own two feet, that you are truly doing this and taking ownership and credit for what you've done, right? Finding your own confidence and stepping into that and saying, I did this. And I will do this. And tooting your own horns is not naturally for us as women and raising our hands. And I think those are some of the things that I really had to push through and understand that and learn about that to become a really great businesswoman. Yeah, it's often not easy for women to celebrate their accomplishments or to even think highly of themselves with their own accomplishments. I even remember when I was in the women's leadership program, I felt, oh, I don't even belong here. Like, what am I doing here? I'm not at all qualified enough to be in this group. And it's crazy how much that has changed. So this for all of our listeners, if you do happen to struggle with confidence, it is definitely something you can grow. It is hard to raise your hand and say, this is something that I want. I think a lot of times as women, we wait to be tapped on the shoulder. And so to take that initiative and raise your hand can be really challenging. You mentioned it's really important for women to show up how you want to. How do you figure out how exactly you want to show up when you walk into meetings or, or rooms? I think that's really up to every individual, right? Growing up in the financial services industry, everybody had on the navy blue suit, right? So you had on the suit and you had on the white button-up polo, right? So how as a woman am I going to show up in that type of culture and atmosphere? And so... I started putting on the separates and the dresses and the bright colors and showing up with the sparkly notebook and the binder. And how do you bring the femininity into those meetings and into who you are and who are yourself and be okay with that, right? That it, you are going to be different. One thing I started doing as well, just to bring myself into my workspace and even just my space itself is buying fresh flowers, right? Because that makes me happy. And if that makes me happy, that's okay. So bringing your authentic self is really important because if you just do it like the person before you did it, nothing's going to change, right? So I highly respect and admire my predecessor, Stephen Dugal. He's been my sponsor and my mentor for the past 15 years. And Stephen's been an amazing leader to get us to where we are today. But I want to be the leader who I am to get us where we need to be for the next 20 years. And that's going to be bringing my voice, bringing my thoughts and my thought process and just who I am to the table, even if it's a pink sparkly notebook. We're talking about women thriving in the financial services industry. As of 2022, about 23% of certified financial planners are women. So what do you think needs to happen to recruit and retain more women advisors? I truly believe that we need more leaders that are not only in the advisor space, but leaders in the management space, right? To show them and to support them the way that they want to show up. Even as simply as introducing one woman advisor to a new advisor that's actually in the recruiting process means a lot. 
I don't think people realize that women are working in environments sometimes in this industry where they don't feel supported. They don't feel like they can be themselves. They have a mask on, right? Showing up to work every day and just agreeing and and thinking they have to be a part of the team. And, you know, at one point in time, I was like that. I thought I was a unicorn out there in the system, to be honest with you, before I met our great group of women in that women's leadership program. And I think that if we can connect those people sooner, that's going to be one really thing that helps us also to create a forum of a culture of respect for women and that they feel safe in that space as well and safe to be themselves, safe to develop their practices as they want to. There's something I saw recently was called Fuel Your Own Story. So I want to make sure everybody fuels their story and how they want it to look like and what they how they want to succeed. But definitely having those women in those leadership ranks and women in the lower ranks and just people who they can aspire to be or just go talk to about what they've already been through is going to be really important. And you have such an incredible opportunity now as a managing partner, the leader of your firm to start to create this culture of respect for women. What are some of the things you've thought about doing or you're planning to do or maybe you're currently doing to create this culture of respect for women? The great thing is, is that we have an amazing culture for women in our office already. And so we've been on the forefront of, for example, maternity leave policies for our financial advisors. And so we've really led the way in that and being thoughtful whenever we are engaging with women who are looking at going to maternity leave. We have women's connects, right? And so we want to connect our women across all of our districts. We have a larger territory of Louisiana and Mississippi. And so we want to connect those women that are in the smaller districts together. And so when we come together, we want to make sure we're purposeful and we have an opportunity for them to engage and be together. The other thing is I want them to know that they have an avenue if something does go wrong, right? If they don't feel respected, that they can go to their managing directors, who are actually all men right now, but they all are very open to listening to concerns or if people don't feel respected in the workplace, as well as, you know, that if they're heard, there's going to be action taken and they understand what that clear communication is. So those are a few things that I don't definitely want to foster that with them and then really enhance their experience by getting them, for example, education early on. So one thing that women like is, you know, more education so they feel more confident in what they're talking about. So how do I get them that education early on that they might need more so than a male counterpart that just, you know, will go out there and get it done, right, with his confidence. And so how do I build that confidence to where they feel they're respected out in the community and that they can really deliver to our clients the financial planning that they deserve. It almost sounds like there's a blend of competence and confidence that needs to happen. And I hear that a lot, Avril, with my clients who happen to be women, especially if they're in the financial services industry. They believe once they pass an exam, they're all of a sudden going to be confident. And I love having that conversation around that and Yes, you are going to be more confident. And are there other pieces of head trash and stuff going on right now that are still going to be there even when you pass that exam? I love that you say that because I think the number one thing I had to overcome around being a business owner and getting in my own confidence is I only need validation from myself, right? So outward validation that you're doing things correctly, or how did I sign in that meeting? Or how did I feel afterwards? Or, you know, I would go and ask people their opinions and get feedback, which feedback is important. Feedback is very important. But learning that if I was satisfied with something and I did something how I thought I should show up at that time, that was okay. To have that self-validation that I'm enough was something I really needed to work through to get to that next level in leadership, I feel, and in business is knowing that I only really had to answer to myself because 
it was for me. My vision was for me. My goals were for me. And it was to impact others and impact in the community. And if I was doing that, I was satisfied with that. Okay. This feels like a mic drop moment we're having right now. I have to know, how did you learn to get the validation from yourself? Because I, I bet there are a lot of listeners out there that are shaking their heads. They're saying, yes, this makes sense. How do I do it? I definitely think processing your thoughts and your fears and processing your concerns with a coach. I'll be honest with you. I had to use a coach. And through a coach around accountability and through reflecting and pointing out my successes and helping me do that, it made me change my mindset, right? You know, seven habits of highly effective people, that paradigm shift that he talks about in the book. I had to change my mindset that reflecting on what I did was enough and celebrating that. And it was definitely through coaching that helped with that. I was curious of what impact has coaching had on your business growth. And this sounds like a, a massive impact coaching has had. Coaching really helped me. And I actually have three coaches. So I have somebody first that helps me process things personally and professionally. And so that's more on the personal side, almost like a therapist, but she's not a therapist. And secondly, I have a consultant that helps me through work situations and problems and you know, thinking through things and what do I really want out of meetings and situations and goal setting in which it's amazing goal setting and they understand my industry. And my third coach is on visioning and really becoming that managing partner. And now how do I see myself as a managing partner? And so coaching helps me in a lot of different levels and has an avenue for me to really process things and not to put it on the people who report to me or, you know, my other leaders that are my peers and, and with me because that's not their responsibility to help me get better. So I have these coaches that I've interviewed and I work with and work in different capacities to help me be better as a leader. And I don't feel guilty, to be honest with you, because that's part of their role, right? And so I don't want to ever be that leader or that friend that overtakes conversations about me. And so I utilize them to help me be better. And there's no guilt there, you know, so they help me and they challenge me to get me to that next level and those next thought processes. And I really appreciate each one of them and how they impact my career and my life. I think that's so powerful how you have a team of coaches and each of your coaches is working on something very different and very specific to help you grow personally and professionally. And Avril, you hit on something that I don't know if a lot of leaders are doing enough. And it's the power of thinking about that next conversation or that next meeting and what's that desired outcome? What am I really trying to get out of that? What do I need to communicate? And it's a challenge for a lot of leaders because you're literally going back to back. You have so many things that you're, you're thinking about at one time and having the space in coaching to talk through that can be an absolute game changer. Now that you're the business owner, what do you wish you would have known? The power of your word, right? And your words that you say. And action means a lot to people. And inaction actually speaks louder to people, right? So a lot of information and a lot of emails and communication comes through my mailbox and text messages and phone calls on a daily basis because I am the leader now. Right. And so I think setting those expectations around communication is very important. Um, what they can expect as well out of that communication and turnaround and whatnot's been very important too. And so I didn't know how fast paced it was going to be when stepping into this role. You know, I was Steven's right hand for a number of years and I helped him with a lot, but I wasn't in his shoes to experience the and, 
right? So I helped him walk, we'll go through a lot of processes and, and handle a lot within our firm, but the end is what I didn't experience. The other thing as a business owner that I wish I knew was on a positive note, just the feeling, right? The feeling of independence and the feeling of ownership, the feeling of really truly making that difference on a more exponential base. So I did in my role previously, but now that I have the entire firm, it's an even greater feeling to know how exponentially I'm going to really leave a footprint and honestly really leave an impact on Louisiana and Mississippi once I'm not here anymore. Okay. So I'm curious, have you thought about that vision? Have you thought about that footprint? And can you articulate what that will look like? Looking at Louisiana and Mississippi, I really truly want to be the go-to firm for financial services planning. And that means a lot of different things to me. I know it's a broad statement, but being the go-to for whenever people are thinking, hey, I need an advisor. I need a plan. Being the go-to when people say, hey, I want to be in the financial services industry. I need to go talk to somebody at Northwestern Mutual being the go-to in college marketing, right? So we have an amazing internship. So when people say, hey, I want to figure out what this really could potentially be for me and how can I grow and, and develop personally and professionally, I want them to know, hey, they can come to Northwestern Mutual. And lastly, really being that leader, we talked about a little bit, but that diversity, equity, and inclusion, being a leader that really wins awards and people look up to, right, as a place of safety and openness and awareness that, you know, we want to serve the communities that we really, you know, look like as well. And so when I think of that bigger vision, I really want to be that go-to financial services planning firm for everybody and for everything. That's exciting and very empowering. And I know that having a clear vision is the foundation of effective goal setting. So I feel very excited that you and your leadership team are going to be able to take that vision and set goals and execute and make that massive impact. And Avril, you also mentioned one of the things that you needed to learn was how to set expectations around communication. And I know one of the things that I even struggle with in my own business today is I, in my mind, have this idea that things have to be replied to right away and I have to get things out right away. And there's this power of this urgency. And I think a lot of that probably comes from sales training and sales background around urgency. And sometimes we need time to craft our response or to think through it. Or quite frankly, we have 25 other priorities on our agenda that we need to get through first. So how have you navigated those expectations and what changes have you made so you're not burning yourself out trying to meet your own expectations around communication? No, I think it's a great question. I definitely want to make sure I acknowledge the communication, right? And so the first thing I'll, I'll do is always acknowledge that I received it and give a time frame. I also have set aside time on my calendar to have thoughtful responses because your first response, right? Do you ever get the text message and you're really fired up and you know what you should do and this is what you want to say? You type out the text message and sometimes you hit send and you regret hitting send and, you know, but you really want to take it back and maybe hit send the next morning, right? So I want to acknowledge that I received it and then I'll get back to him as soon as I can. I have strategic time on my calendar to really think through communication and how to respond. And so that's important to me because I don't want to give a knee-jerk communication or response to somebody unless I truly know like if it's a one-off, like it's a simple question, as well as I want to delegate, right? So in my role, I've always had extreme ownership of getting the answer and getting the information and getting, you know, that communicating that back to whether it be an advisor or in a leader or, you know, anybody on their teams. And now I need to delegate and empower those around me to get the answer for them too. And so when I debrief a meeting or an email, I'm like, oh, who can get this answer? And I'll let them know, and I'll copy the person. Hey, 
my chief supervision officer is going to get you this answer. Hey, our chief growth officer is going to get you this answer. So I want to make sure that I'm empowering them to be those go-to people too around communication. That's one of the things leaders really struggle with, delegating. And especially if people or, or business owners were coming from a role that was very focused on execution, learning how to delegate can be really challenging. You shared one strategy is looping that person in on the communication. What are some of the other things you've done to learn to delegate? I like a timeline, right? So when I delegate, I put it on an agenda for us to follow up. So the way we have running agendas for my team meetings, I actually got everybody a notebook and it's taking notes and action items. So it's a meeting notebook that I actually just found on Amazon and it's notes from the meetings and then action items and then who owns those action items. And so that notebook is for my team meetings with them individually. So they bring it back and we review the action items, what has happened, what do we need to do? And we review the calendar in the next month to see what we need to be thinking about moving forward. And so I have a cadence to where they're owning the agenda. They're owning the action items unless I really have to do something. And then I own that action item and they follow up with me. But I need to let that go because I can't be efficient enough, you know, serving my entire firm. I owned everything. And so that's what we're doing right now with clarity and expectations and delegation. So far, it's been working because um, I come to the I come to the meeting and I'm prepared with questions that I have and they're already updating me, which is amazing. They're already updating me. They're telling me what I need to know. Um, they're running the meetings and then I have extra questions if I need it, you know, or follow through or follow up. But my team's been doing an amazing job on that. And that's a big key. Your team is running the meeting. So that takes some of that pressure off of you. You've set the expectation. You've already created the agenda. They know what to come in and report on. And now you don't have to worry about facilitating that meeting. You can truly listen, ask questions, get the clarity you need. That's a big shift for a lot of people. Yeah, it really is. But it's been a huge shift. And again, I keep using the word empowerment, but if I can empower my leaders and my team to be better, why wouldn't I want them to be better? Why wouldn't I want them to feel that they're a part of the team and how integral that is and how much they're making that impact? So I want to elevate them as much as possible. If someone's listening to this conversation right now and they're thinking, I want to be part of Averill's vision. I want to be one of those advisors delivering financial security in the Louisiana, Mississippi area. What is the best way for someone to get started in your industry? Really just start exploring, right? So reach out to an office, you know, each office has key people or you just reach out to the leader you can reach out to me or your local managing partner and you just start a conversation. Just be open to that conversation about what does this really look like and what you're looking for in a career. And does that align with what, you know, being an advisor in the financial services really means, right? Be open to that conversation and reaching out to your local office is the first step that I would do. I'm sure 15 years ago, when you said yes to that opportunity to get you back to New Orleans, you never could have imagined where you're sitting today. No, really not. I mean, it's been, it, it just got chills actually thinking about that. I never thought that this is where I would be today. I'm excited that this is where I'm being today. I'm honored that I'm, this is where I'm at today. But no, never 15 years ago when I walked through the doors here. It's amazing. Well, as a goal achievement coach, you know, I'm very focused on goals. So I'm curious, what is a goal you are focused on achieving this year? This year, I want to introduce the career opportunity to 30 new advisors in our area. 
And so that's going to be my main priority and focus um, this year. And so how I'm going to do that, I'm a little bit on repeat, but just clarity, communication, making sure that you know we're telling people the story about being a financial advisor with Northwestern Mutual and how that can make an impact on their lives, which then makes an impact on our communities. And so that's going to be my main goal this year. So I want to make sure I give you the opportunity to share how can our listeners connect with you to learn more? Great. Yeah. The easiest way to connect with me is either through LinkedIn. I'm actually the only Averill Habits on LinkedIn. So you can search for me there as well as you can email me. Um, my email is averill.habits at nm.com and feel free to shoot a message and I'll return it as soon as I can. <laughs> <laughs> yes. With those expectations we talked about earlier in our conversation. We will make sure to document all of that in our show notes. And with that, this has been such a fun conversation. Thanks for sharing a, a bit about your story. Thanks for talking about the work that you're doing, the impact that you're making. Appreciate you taking some time to connect with us today. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. With that, Goal Achievers, keep celebrating your weekly wins, noting your lessons learned, and identify your priorities for next week so you can continue pursuing progress in the direction of your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on goal achieving and business growing wisdom. If you want my best goal achieving tips and a monthly reminder to check in on your goals, join my email list at kristenburke.com. 